This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Welcome to Name Free Songs. I'm Sarah Fagan. I'm Jenna Million. And this is a podcast where we discuss feminist issues in music and pop culture, all while empowering fangirls. Because let's be honest, fangirls knew about that band way before you did. We have some hot news that just dropped today. Sarah, what what is the tea? What, are, what have you been crying over all day? <laughs> Louis Tomlinson's documentary comes out for the general public next week. And so he's doing premieres. He did one in Tokyo and he did one in London last night. And Liam went to the premiere and is just so pure and wholesome. He did a red carpet interview where he was like, yeah, I wanted to surprise Louis. He was like, I was afraid that... If I did it wrong, I would show up and they wouldn't let me on the red carpet. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, this is so wholesome and amazing. And also, an interviewer on the red carpet asked Louis about his thoughts on Harry wearing the One Direction shirt to the gym. And he was like, well, just like me, he loved the band that we were in. And I was like... I'm just like completely losing my mind and I don't know what to do with myself. But the best part of all of this is that we got some really wholesome photos of Liam and Louie leaving the premiere. And Liam wrote the sweetest Instagram post about Louie. I literally ugly cried for like 10 minutes. I'm probably going to start crying again right now because I'm emotional. this this band was i can't deal with them but he basically like wrote this beautiful beautiful post about louis and this film and how much it meant to him but like oh my god this one part just like fully it was like knife in the heart i can't deal with this he writes my neck hurts from how much i'm looking up to you right now you were already my friend and brother but getting to look through that window into your world and mind just extends that respect i have for you what you've dealt with and how you held it all inside i'm so sorry i was so out of my mind and didn't do better for you i feel ashamed in those moments to not have been as good of a friend as you have been to me at least i have time now and i'm me again so i'll try and make amends and it's like it's just like (laughs) and he's like i'm so thankful to have a friend like you i feel so lucky to know you and be like a small part of what you're doing and i'm just like (laughs) i think this is all like directioners have ever wanted is them to just like acknowledge each other and how much they appreciated and loved each other because i honestly i feel like maybe a lot of directioners feel a little bit gaslit by like how dispersed they have been and we're like no you're brothers like be be brothers (laughs) i know and it's like niall can say a thousand times on radio interviews or whatever like yeah we text yeah we still talk and i'm like okay you do what about the rest of them i'm like i need i need a post from one of them for the other (laughs) yeah no this is this was like very intimate (laughs) i'm like this is oh i can't fucking deal i'm like very unwell over this it's really funny because this is like, like, this is the type of stuff that like K-popies love because 
we get so many like interactions among the members like this where like they talk about like in interviews they'll be prompted they'll be like say something nice about the person sitting next to you and they have to go around in a circle and do it and they're like oh like he helped him get through a hard time like all this stuff but I think something like this where there's been so much space and time and obviously like a lot of drama and like a lot of different behavioral patterns we've seen from Liam and from Louie and just how everyone has grown up over the years something like this is like very heartfelt and like very special also, I don't follow Liam on Instagram anymore, but I obviously haven't gone to his Instagram, but when Harry won his Grammy, he also posted to Harry. Oh my gosh, I'm, I'm just saying this too. I'm losing my fucking mind right now. Oh my god, I can't deal with this. Wow. Sober, sober Liam Payne is like very in his emotions. Wow. I'm here for it. He said, wow, this image is really something to wake up to when you write music like you do, Harry. You deserve every millisecond of that moment looking down, smiling at the trophy you've earned. God bless you, brother. Congratulations. Okay, somebody needs to teach Liam grammar, but, like, I'm here for <laughs> it. <laughs> wow. Je- Jenna invented all of those beach breaks. <laughs> there are. There are. <laughs> Should I read it again? Wait, I'm going to read it again for fun. Wow. Because there's a dot, dot, dot. Wow. This image is really something you wake up to when you write music like you do it. <laughs> I'm going to try. Wow. This image is really something to wake up to. And when you write music like you do, Harry, you deserve every millisecond of that moment looking down at you, smiling at the trophy you've earned. God bless you, brother. Congratulations. Yeah. So this week I've just been uh, really in my emotions. The Oscars (laughs) also really got to me. I've been crying about Kihei Kwan for months on end now to the point where the night of the Oscars... Bustle posted a fan cam of him getting his Oscar engraved and I cried (laughs) because he was just like so happy and I was like I can't deal with this this is the best person to ever exist I will ride at dawn for this man yeah (laughs) that I did his acceptance speech was the one thing I actually saw on live television for those of you who have no idea what we're talking about this man was like in a lot of movies in like what the 80s and 90s including like Indiana Jones yeah, the Goonies were, like, his two big ones. And then when he was, like, like as a kid, like, he was, like, a child actor, essentially. And he came to America from Vietnam when he was, like, quite young. And, like, after being in the Goonies and Indiana Jones, which were two massive films, like, he wasn't getting as many jobs. He was also in Encino Man with Brenda Fraser. And so they know each other. And then as he got older, they're like, there's no room for Asians here because Hollywood's racist. And so he went and worked behind the scenes and did like stunt coordination, like did some producing and I think like directing to like some extent, but like not like a big deal directing like Steven Spielberg or whatever. And then, yeah, his wife was just like, just go for it. Do it. And everything everywhere all at once is a perfect film. And he was so incredible in it and it's so fun to watch a movie where it's like he was an action hero in like (laughs) in this film that like you would not expect him to be an action hero in and it was just i don't know it's just an incredible movie and he seems like an incredible man yeah he was his speech was just like my wife told me never to give up on my dream and i never gave up and i was like (laughs) 
everyone's crying oh my god i, know. I was like i can't uh, deal with you yeah <laughs> so this week has been an emotional roller coaster and i'm very excited because jenna and i are actually going on a european <laughs> adventure together and we're gonna get to see the louis tomlinson documentary together which we are going to have to post something on patreon about because obviously we're gonna Sarah, need to have we'll need a deep to recap thoughts <laughs> I'm going to have so many thoughts, but that also means, unfortunately, your feeds are going to be quiet from us the next two weeks while we are away gallivanting and eating too much food. But we will be very active on social media because we will be together and I will be. This is true. So it'll be updating me on everything that's going on live in the moment. So yes, we will not be with you for two weeks. We will be on social if you want to come hang out and we will probably at some point drop a Louis Tomlinson documentary recap thoughts on patreon so you have all that stuff to look forward to and if you do miss us dearly in those two weeks in case you've missed it we have changed how you can join our patreon to get the bonus episodes so you can pay from anything from one to ten dollars to get every bonus episode we've ever done so those are music meltdowns as well as some short mini episodes about like pop culture things that were happening and yeah, you can join for a month. You can join forever. We won't hold it against you. If you just want some bonus Jenna and Sarah time, go for it. You can go get that over at patreon.com slash name three songs. And today we get to talk about my favorite K-pop boys on the <laughs> podcast, which is hilarious and funny because I didn't foresee this happening because we only like talk about K-pop in specific instances. But today we're talking about journalism and what makes journalism good and what makes journalism bad. And we have... <laughs> hilariously we have a gq article about tomorrow by together to talk about which is funny because we basically started this podcast (laughs) on a gq article written about one direction that was awful i just feel like at this point gq should be banned from speaking to boy boy bands bands? unless unless a woman who listened to them wants to interview them like that's that's the only that's the rule for gq now i think as you guys know other than Jenna sending me songs by these K-pop groups and me being like, oh, that's good. I don't know very much about, like, the the inner workings of any of this. But I, what, I did see a couple tweets before Jenna even mentioned this to me about people complaining about this article. And I just assumed, because fans always love to complain when anybody who they don't like it does an interview, I was just like, oh... They probably, like, mischaracterized a member's given personality, you know, as we say with boy bands, every member has their personality, and they're, like, up in arms. And then Jenna started sending me more tweets, and I was like, oh, this is actually bad. (laughs) This is actually not good. And I've been having a lot of conversations recently with other, like, journalism friends about, like, the future of pop culture journalism, when it comes to like who's given access whether that be on red carpets or for interviews like for publications etc because we have been seeing a lot of like influencers on red carpets asking stupid questions getting stupid answers and all around kind of annoying the talent and so when it comes to journalism it's like so many publications seem to be aware that like there needs to be more diversity in the writer's room there needs to be more people who like care about what's going on like every now and again it's like oh this publication understands that like a black woman should interview a black woman and that's how we're gonna like 
get the best article about like something specifically that black women are going through like just as an example or like you know you know what i mean and so it's like when there's a very specific story that needs to be told in interviewing a specific artist you need to really think about who you're sending out to interview said artist to get that story to be told properly because if you just send out any person who's like oh the most senior person on the team or like the person who just got sent the pitch email of like txt is available for interviews this week in california like you're not going to get the best piece of work because that person while they might be like a seasoned writer and journalist and they might be all around good at their job that doesn't always mean that they're like a specialist on the subject. It's like, yeah. you're not going to send yeah. somebody to write about cars. If that person knows nothing about cars, like imagine sending me the girl who cannot drive to go <laughs> pretend I know anything about like a car thing. And then you're like, like, well, I read about, I read about cars for a week. Yeah, exactly. Like that'd be unhinged behavior. It is interesting because reading this GQ article, like a lot of the journalists I was seeing on Twitter talk about this, people's biggest issue with it was that the writer who is an editor for GQ seemed to know nothing about K-pop. And it's just wild because we have so many journalists who are really good journalists who write about K-pop that this was like very kind of like shockingly bad. But also reading this piece, I'm just like, who... Like, what, number one, what was the goal of the piece? Number two, who is the intended, intended audience supposed to be? Because it feels very much like it was presented as a TXT feature story. Like, they had full photography and everything. Mm-hmm. But, like, it was barely about TXT. Like, they were barely quoted in it. It was, like, kind of about the K-pop industry and, like, a little bit about, like, TXT's history. And then, like, the quotes that TXT gave, like, didn't really add that much to the story. And then he also interviewed, like, a handful of other people to, like, weigh in. I was just like, who are you writing this for? Because the thing is, like, the nuggets that we did get, it was not information that was unknown to fans. It's like, and this is kind of, like, came to mind as I was, like, thinking about this. It's like, for those of you who've listened to how Sarah and I have done artist interviews in the past, we research as much as we can about this artist. We find out about their history. We find out about what they've said in interviews in the past. And we use that information to ask them deeper questions where this interview was very, very surface level questions. Like there was no deeper digging and it's like fans aren't getting anything new out of this. Like there have been really great cover stories that have been done. Crystal Bell is one of like one of the K-pop journalists that I really like because you can tell she appreciates the artist. You can tell she digs deeper. She did a great feature story on TXT for Paper Magazine in 2021. And it was just like comparing them two or like day and night. Of like yeah. her question, like her questions and the like the quotes that she included in the article were so much more in depth and detailed and provided so much more insight that like fans wouldn't have known otherwise. It's not foreign for GQ to do a general profile on an up and coming artist or an up and coming star like. For example, the infamous Chris Evans GQ article when he got cast as Captain America. I'm speaking about the June 2011 Chris Evans interview written by Edith Zimmerman, which was a gift to journalism in that, like, it was a very well-written yet unhinged behavior interview I've ever read, but I found out so much about Chris Evans <laughs> reading this interview. And it Didn't was, she like, retire hey- from journalism after that? Yes. <laughs> 
I gift does. you I gift you this one masterpiece and I'm out. <laughs> that she was na- the biggest she, mic drop ever. She now does like car- she's now like a cartoonist and like lives in upstate New York. She apparently had like a blog for a little like a little while but like she like left entertainment journalism after this. But like if let's say the point of this TXT interview was to like introduce them to the general public of GQ readers as like, this is a group we think you guys could be into because of the fact that their music knows no genre and like they're going to be changing what what music is cool or whatever it is that they're trying to do. It's like, I don't want to pile on to this guy, but... It just felt like he was so uninterested in TXT as a group. It feels like it was 50-50 in like the work that he felt necessary to put into this and that it feels like he didn't care enough to like do any research on TXT yet he was like oh to for this to be accepted I need to find a k-pop professor and also get some quotes from somebody from their record label and like those quotes were interesting yeah so it's like I just don't understand why when this reads like uh almost here is why I think people should take TXT seriously it's literally just like here's what TXT is doing but, but like, also, yeah. here's some information about K-pop. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. Yeah, like, and like, the, the, like, that's the thing. It's like, it feels like he was almost to a point, and then it'd be like, never mind, I'm changing the direction yeah. of this article. And then he'd almost reach a new point yeah. where I'm like, oh, this is, this could maybe get interesting. And then he'd be like, oh, never mind, changing the direction know. of the article again. And I'm like, <laughs> Just fucking pick a direction. Yeah. So over overall, <laughs> overall, not really well concepted. But it is interesting thinking of like the G, like who is the GQ audience? And like I remember, like I even read like a Megan The Stallion interview in GQ and stuff, and it was like fairly general. And also like from the context of this interview, we know that like he might have been in person with them, but he also might have been doing it with a Zoom. But TXT was in California at the time. But my point is that. He clearly had like a small window of time with them. He didn't spend a day with them. He didn't spend multiple days with them. Because a lot of times, especially like for Rolling Stone, if we see a cover story, they go and spend like multiple days with those artists, like really getting to know them, like really going in depth with like a lot of questions. And this clearly was not that. But if you're thinking about the GQ audience, I'm like, who's a general reader of GQ that's like, oh, yes, let me read about this K-pop band. Like, I don't know anyone who's going to be interested who's not already interested in k-pop you know what i'm saying that is the thing that that is interesting because i mean like i have a subscription to gq but 
I don't know if I feel like I'm not the general audience. You're not the target G- audience. For yeah, like I'm not the target and, audience. And like in Korea, there's like GQ Korea, like Vogue Korea, like K-pop idols will be on the covers and like do cover stories for those all the time. So it's like really yeah. common and natural because they're they're celebrities. Like they do fashion stuff all the time. But like for GQ, this is called, called like GQ hype. Like it was just weird. But to like call out some some. Other than just, like, the journalism in general being very weird, fans were mad about a few specific things that I think are very warranted. One of them being that one of the members, Taehyun, was asked about, like, what got him started in wanting to, like, be an idol. And he, multiple times across interviews, he's referenced this K-pop band, Shiny, and and a specific music video for Replay. And he's talked about this in other interviews. In the translation of like this article, originally they said that Taehyun's like inspiration was a Chinese music video, not Shiny the band, and it's one of those things that like yeah okay lost in translation, but also like it's easy to find out the information that like Shiny is a popular K-pop band and that Taehyun is spoken about this before and they since corrected that article which also just a just a side note on correcting articles i know a lot of times like fans get really mad and then they like bully the journalist and then they bully the publication and they think that the publication changes those things because of that that's not always the case like txt is gonna have a pr team they're probably gonna have a us-based pr team yeah and the pr team is gonna read the article once it comes out and be like oh you messed up like that's not what he meant he meant shiny the band yeah and then there were there were just like some other weird things like just like the way he like talked about the members and of course like referencing bts like the original like subhead of this article was like their label wants them to be the next bts which like everyone hates because it's like why can't bts just bts and everyone else can be themselves like we don't need to make comparisons and they did since change that so i was surprised about that and then they also of course they referenced the dark side of k-pop of course but they changed they took that out also I think that that's a good point also just to acknowledge where like I can understand fans wanting to feel like they had something to do with the fact that an article was changed but unfortunately an editor is probably going to know even less about the people that they that were interviewed than the writer knew about the people that were interviewed because that editor didn't have to do research for the interview and so while they're going to do their best possible job when there's things like misunderstandings or whatever, like that's going to be something where once the article is live and they send it to the PR and then the PR is like, Oh, maybe don't say this or like asking specifically for things to be changed. Like that does happen. And I mean, there are even some artists where like in order for you to even interview them, the questions need to be approved beforehand. And then the article also needs to be read before published. So like those are certain those are certain things that happen. And I I wonder if now going forward, when like the USGQ does interview other Hybe artists, if they're going to be like, we need to read this article first. Yeah. Just because like there were so many mistakes that didn't need to have happened. And that's just kind of, again, what blows my mind about all this and like why. Like if you look at people who both work on staff for GQ or have done freelance features for GQ, like there are countless other journalists that could have been sent to do this interview that would have done better yeah because they care more about this either this genre or this band in general yeah there's just certain nuances that like you can't know by reading about them for one week 
Yeah. And there were certain things in this article that was like blatantly like you clearly know nothing about this as someone who like is a fan. And it's like fans are always going to read it. But I'm, that's why I'm like, who else is reading it? And the other thing that like I just felt was weird was like the fact that he kept talking about the interpreter and like the interpreter was doing a bad job. And I'm like, like if you if you're like in person, like if you they probably have a recording of this. Right. Because like they're yeah. not taking jotting down all the notes. You can always like get another interpreter and have it done again if you didn't like the translations. And it just feels like very lazy journalism. Number one, to like not get it retranslated, but also number two, to just like be like, well, they gave a really long answer, but the interpreter just told me that they love music. Yeah. I mean, the thing that really sat with me the wrong way about like one of his acknowledgments of the interpreter was he writes one of the weirder dynamics of interviewing TXT through a very friendly label supplied interpreter is the triangulation of question answer. Then he goes on to talk about how like the group members spoke longer than the interpreter interpreted for. But the very friendly label supplied interpreter feels like a very specific like the label like the label supplied it. Yeah. And I at that point was like, oh, the rest of this article is going to be about how the like the dark side of k-pop and how the label's so controlling and they use the fact that they can't speak english as a way to control them and like that's what like that's where my brain went of like oh this is where this is going to go because it feels very icky that he's like i must acknowledge that the label supplied this person and that i feel like i'm not getting the full story from them yeah yeah yeah. And so I did find a tweet like specifically about this from Jaha Kim on Twitter. And she wrote about this GQ article. It was missing in follow through. He had issues with the interpretation. So why not dig into that and ask the interpreter, can you expand on what they said? And if something sounds off, aka Chinese music video, just ask them again, which music video is this? And if you don't recognize the name, ask again. I promise you that groups aren't expecting writers to know everything about them. They literally want to talk to us about this. And then she goes on to share like some different examples of phrases that she didn't understand and had to clarify. And then like Crystal Bell also responded to this and said that she always gets her interviews retranslated on her end as well, just to get the most accurate translation of what they were saying. And so this is why I'm like, it was literally lazy journalism for him to like take that at face value and then also to include it in the article. Imagine if every single K-pop interview with like a Western publication, they talked about the interpreter. That would be so fucking weird. Like it'd be one thing if it's like you're setting the scene for like how they might feel like fish out of water in America because they like can't have direct conversations with the interviewers or whatever. Like that would be one thing, but like the fact that he just keeps harping on it and like keeps acknowledging it when it's like, this sounds like a you problem rather than like a TXT problem. I don't understand. Did none of them speak English? No, they do. They, they do speak English. It's just that some of the members aren't, super eloquent because it's obviously not their first language yeah, yeah, so if no, they're I giving just, I, just, I just meant that like if there's at least one of the guys in the room who speaks be- like better english which like i've when i've seen other of the k-pop groups there tends to be like one or two who are like way more fluent than the rest it's like why not just like be like oh can you expand on that in txt none of them are completely fluent 
Okay. Like I just, none of them would have the skill set to do that. That's fair, I guess. But I just can't wrap my head around. He says that an answer that the interpreter gave gave him was like akin to "I loved playing music," and it's like I looked up this guy on LinkedIn. Like he's been working at GQ for eight years. He's has like a very long, impressive resume of like publications that he's worked for, and it's like, why would you not be like? Can you please expand on what that means? Yeah. Like, I just, it just doesn't make any sense to me. And this is what's so frustrating and why this has been like a topic of conversation with myself and Jenna and myself and other friends of just like, why do so many companies, like publications or brands who are sending people to write carpets or to do like interview junkets, whatever, like, why are they sending people who like, clearly either a have no interest or on the other hand just like don't have any experience interviewing or like knowing how much work has to go into speaking with these people because it's like clearly this writer should know how much work should go into doing an interview piece and yet it feels like he's been interning at GQ for two days and was for some reason given a TXT interview because his editor got hit by a car on the way there like oh that's God. what it feels like. The, like, sorry to be a, sorry to be a dick, but that's what it feels like. It feels like he had his editor's notes and none of his editor's research, and was like, "I guess I got to run with this." But he's the editor and the writer. Like yeah. he is an editor. Like I, I as many things as we can call out about this, I just points back again to the fact that articles done by people who know what they're talking about are so much better. And like, we'll link the articles to like Crystal's interviews because she did a feature with txt as a group for paper mag and then she did interview individual interviews with each of the five members and they were so good they were so in depth like even the group interview like it was so in depth it, it's just why it's just wild it's like it doesn't have to be bad like journalism doesn't have to be bad i mean even if you just think on like looking back at other interviews that we've talked about on this podcast or just like relatively like famous interviews within fandoms it's like harry styles has had three cover stories for rolling stone all three were good but the first one was done by cameron crowe and any interview cameron crowe does is he has to self-insert himself and make everything an almost famous ripoff like rob sheffield obviously respects harry but like rob sheffield has a very specific way of writing and then britney spanos did the most recent harry one and that was like the first one where it's like yes i know rob sheffield is like a fan of harry styles but Britney's was the first one where it really felt like the writer genuinely yeah. cared about him outside of this and like yeah. knew what questions to ask to get him like really interested in speaking. Yeah. That's a really good point of not just like knowing what questions to ask, but knowing what questions to ask that person, like yeah. knowing enough about their personality from what you've gathered of being a fan, their videos, like honestly, a certain degree of it is being a fan, but it's like paying attention to who they are as a person to get them to to, to open up to a certain degree because that's part of what journalism is is it's like making your subject comfortable but yeah. not everyone is going to be able to be comfortable with the journalist no matter how much media training they've done and so yeah. it is like asking questions like that harry will respond to in a positive way yeah and i mean like i think it's been like for me like 50 50 about like interviewing artists like half of the time i'm interviewing artists that i'm a fan of already and half of the time i'm interviewing artists i've never even heard of but i've never once been offered an interview with an artist and said yes to it without being like 
oh, this person sounds like their music is interesting. This bio you sent me is interesting. Yeah. I will not be bored or annoyed having to like dig through everything on the internet to figure out good questions for this person especially when it's like a relatively new artist which is a lot of what i have done throughout like my personal like interviewing journalism career and it's like i've never once like gotten to an interview and at that point not been a fan to some degree of that artist yeah like every single person that i'm talking to i respect the work that they're made like the music that they're making i respect them like i respect their time that they like especially like that they took their time out of their day to talk to me like i think that's really important and and i feel like that's like the huge thing that feels like it's missing where it just feels like in reading the story it just feels like this guy got assigned homework that he didn't want to do yeah it just feels like the respect is minimal yeah i agree it's it's funny like having this conversation because i feel like we've had this conversation in the sense of interviewers sexualizing female artists and it's crazy because like also this month hannah ewens just did a really great cover story for rolling stone uk with lana del rey and it's just funny because like like we did like that whole episode on Lana and like we read Rolling Stone interviews with her and it felt very like I see you as a commodity in like kind of a sexual way. Whereas like the the interview with Hannah, she's like looking at her as a person. Like yeah. she's trying to understand her as like a human being and trying to understand her as like the human condition, not just like somebody on a pedestal who puts out who puts out music. I mean, I think that like we have been very gifted with younger millennial women who are really talented journalists and write really incredible pieces. Because when I think of some of my favorite interviewers and whose pieces I want to read, I'm thinking of Hannah Ewens, I'm thinking Brittany Spanos, Maria Sherman, Alana Kaplan, like Lucy Ford, Kelsey Barnes, like these people. And they're so good at what they do. And I leave reading that interview being like, I I could assume that they that they've been a fan of this person since the person was out the womb because it just feels like they put they put so much time and effort and like compassion into their journalistic endeavors and it's so nice like reading pieces even about people I don't really care about but I'm like oh they wrote it I'm gonna read it and it's like wow this person's so interesting maybe i should go watch all of their films maybe i should go listen to all of their music and it's because they humanize them and i feel like that's been a lot of what journalism has been missing yeah is that like but also i feel like for so many years journalists felt like they it's like the media controlled the narrative and because of that like it was like a power move the way that they would write about like Britney Spears's honey thighs or like Lana Del Rey's like doe eyes or whatever they wrote about her and it's just interesting because even in like Hannah's feature piece with Lana Del Rey Hannah even acknowledges that like when Lana's career first happened that like people were just like misassessing her music and being like where did she come from she's a fraud like her she was constructed by a label and then she's like maybe if some people her own age and lana del rey was 27 when she like first became lana del rey but she's like if, if maybe more 27 year olds had reviewed and written about her then maybe the narrative would have been different True. and it's like that's True. and that's like exactly what you and i are saying here today is that like Maybe if more people around the age of the artist are from the same background as the artist or whatever, we, we would have more compelling pieces yeah. 
and we would have less things of artists being like yeah i don't really want to do interviews anymore and then us only getting to see them talk about their music on like a late night show where everything they're like coddled like a baby well i think this is also why we love zane lowe so much as an interviewer and like zach saying is because they are very compassionate interviewers. Like they want to get to know someone as a human. And I think also what you're mentioning about how we have so many great female journalists right now is like probably a lot of us around the same age, growing up around the same time period, seeing journalism that sucked, being like, I can do this better. And so it's really cool that like we have this new generation of writers who are doing better. And it it also makes me think like, I I saw this Twitter thread and I don't 100% remember what it was, but it was along the lines of like how men are just better at like criticism because they can be more like objective or whatever. And it's like- Oh my God, I saw TikTok (laughs) about this the other day. It's like, no, maybe that's why like- everything sucked back then like maybe that's why britney spears was objectified because all you could do was like be critical and not have compassion yeah and i saw a tiktok about like why aren't there more music like female music critics oh yeah yeah, it's like because any because it's like anytime a woman critiques anything or says something it's like well what would you know women don't know how music works and it's like what the fuck are you smoking that you would say something like that and it's just i don't know it's just it's so it's so upsetting and so frustrating but also because there are so like well written well done feature pieces on these same people for just as well respected publications and it's like okay if Paper Mag could hire the correct person, like, why couldn't GQ yeah. hire the correct person? It is interesting thinking about GQ as a publication and who the demographic is and, like, why they would have been pitched for that. My guess is that TXT's team wanted them to be in GQ versus GQ mm. outreaching to them, obviously, because yeah. if GQ was outreaching to them, they would have sent somebody who, like, was interested. They would have had that, somebody who would have pitched it. Right, exactly. Like, yeah. Who was actually interested. But then I'm like, what does that say about Big Hit wanting TXT? to be in GQ and I think now that the members are a little bit older they're all in their 20s now I think they're wanting to position them as like an older band like a more mature band like a sexier like type of appeal rather than just like teen boys that are just for like teen girls to listen to I feel like GQ is a very confusing publication because I love GQ I think that like usually they have like pretty good article like they have good articles their features are usually quite good i mean british gq is pretty fantastic i i do feel like the british rolling stone and british gq are kind of like hitting it out of the park right now and making their u.s yeah, versions look, 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 look a little bit bad um, <laughs> which might be a hot take but i just think that like we could take note over here of like who the UK mags are sending to do these interviews compared to like who the US mags are sending. But I do think it's interesting because it's like, why the fuck was One Direction on the cover of GQ? Like why, why are these people's teams being like, here, have my boy band. (laughs) I literally, I'm just so, I really just want to know who the target demographic of GQ is. I really just want to know. Because I'm like, okay, I'm sure that there's other women my age who like, like journalism, who like just get read and get random magazines. But also I feel like GQ also a lot of the time does acknowledge the like 
sex appeal of their cover stars so i do feel like it is more for women than gq would want to would ever admit that they are because like if you read the magazine like other than like the interview pieces like everything is written for men but the interviews feel more like they're for women which i think is quite intriguing and so i think that it is kind of like you were saying like someone on their team was like we want them to be viewed as like an every like an every person boy band like they could be for everyone but they're like gruff and sexy like gq is gruff and sexy you know yeah which like i don't think that there's a problem with that but i just think that like i mean i don't know who's on staff for us gq but i feel like there could have been a better better. option i mean what you just said what you just said about gq being a magazine for men even though like there is appeal for women is really funny because at the end of this article, this journalist said, K-pop sometimes gets mischaracterized as soulless, factory-produced music, but that's not exactly right. Becoming a K-pop idol is more like becoming a pro athlete. These guys are hoopers. They're <laughs> they're there alone shooting in the gym and only a lucky few ever get drafted. And I'm like, ah, yes, there it is. He's making a metaphor to basketball, so the guys get it. But I'm also like, why did you put this at the very end? Like... <laughs> I mean, the other thing that I didn't understand, and, like, you can tell me if this is, like, how TXT are normally explained, but he starts the article by being, like, they're beautiful, they're reticent, like, shy teenagers, like, their pores are so small that you need a microscope to see them, but then he's, like, and then the group consists of the tall, sexy one, the other sexy one, the enthusiastic one, the (laughs) other enthusiastic one, and a gentle angel from heaven, like, was that his try at being a fangirl or is that like is that what they're normally described as no like i was like this is unhinged behavior sir yeah like i was like it's just weird because there are so many little quips of him trying to be like look i'm cool for writing this or whatever is going on i also thought it was weird that he was saying that txc are gonna dominate the globe and by ways of imperialism (laughs) (laughs) which feels racist i was like there were definitely phrases in here that were just weird to use period and then like he also felt the need to like make a jab at like fandom behavior and so it was just like all these little things where it felt very like like he was trying to be like yeah i'm interviewing them but i'm also mocking them and that's like what really didn't sit well with me because like his descriptions of the members and like there are certain microaggressions about the fact that they're a boy band throughout this article yeah that i'm just like this is why even if this had been a better interview this article still would have not felt good to read because of all the microaggressions about fandom yeah and it's like don't so then don't interview a band whose whole fucking thing is existing for fans like why would you do that and it was like the same thing with the fucking one direction gq interview where the article was a good read but it was very demeaning of the band and of their fans and it's like why write something good if you're just gonna be a fucking asshole the whole time yeah and this one it's like why write something mediocre and still be an (laughs) asshole the whole time (laughs) like uh, like literally i think that txt makes good music but like it wouldn't affect me either way like what like this i just article, feel like i got nothing y- from this article th- th- that's what like, i mean the, it's TXT like, could have not even been mentioned in this yeah like i feel like this could have maybe been a better article if they weren't like 
the other stuff he was talking about seemed a little bit more interesting than TXT. Yeah, it was, it was, it was all Which was that. just like a wider, <laughs> I don't even know what it was. It was, it was like a, I'm going to half-ass explain K-pop to people who don't care about care. K-pop thing. And also and I'm, I'm like, going to half-ass why? interview a band. Yeah. Weird. It, Weird it was choices. Just so, yeah. Very weird. I'm sick of signing on Twitter and seeing a publication that I respect posting a really awesome like photo shoot image of some artist that I listen to or maybe don't and being like, oh, we sat down with like the next big thing in XYZ music. Read more by clicking the link below. And then I click the link and it's like, why does this journalist literally not know anything about this artist that they're speaking to and maybe hate them? Yeah. And and yeah. it's it's just so annoying yeah. because I'm like, as somebody who loves consuming journalism, like it's so frustrating going to consume a piece of journalism and feeling like I wasted 10 minutes of my life. Yeah. Also just like the questions that he asked that he included were just like boring questions. He was just like, who works the hardest? Like, what is your guilty pleasure? Like, how is that adding to this story? Those are like rapid fire questions you should ask at the end of an interview. Just but so like that those you have were the them. key questions he included. Yeah, it's like those why? were like the best quotes he included. Like overall, we support good journalists interviewing people and our friends interviewing people. <laughs> it's like overall, only hire people that we've had we on approve. the podcast or have tried to get on the podcast <laughs> yes. and are too busy for us um, uh... because they're they're doing God's work in this day and age of like media literacy being at an all time low, having interview pieces come out that have little to no journalistic like skill put into them makes it harder for everything we're fighting for on this podcast to happen which is people to like understand why interviews are done the way they're done and like understand like why an artist might not be being respected by a certain place because if the certain place is interviewing them and not respecting them while doing so Things are never going to change. So I just think that it's like, there's always going to be a best person for the job. So like, why not just find them or like hire them when people clearly have like proof of concept that they're really good at speaking to like these, like certain types of artists. So we just wanted to discuss this today. We thought that this would be something that a lot of y'all can relate to because I'm sure every single one of us has had one or more of our favorite artists interviewed by somebody who like clearly doesn't respect their work. And it's exhausting that it's still happening in 2023. Like you think this would be over by now. And maybe some more of you will grow up to become journalists and do good work. (laughs) Honestly, the dream. So if you guys have any thoughts or feelings about all the bad journalism that continues to happen when they send grown men to interview artists that they clearly don't respect, you can come hit us up on social media to chat about that. We are at name three songs on all platforms. If you have any personal grievances or love you would like to send our way, you can chat with us personally. I'm at Sarah underscore Fagan and Jenna is at Jenna underscore million. So thanks for joining us this week on name three songs. And until next time, never let anyone make you feel bad about your favorite band. And remember, you're never too cool to listen to Tomorrow By Together. Don't forget to subscribe to be notified when each episode comes out and leave us a five-star review. They really help. If you want to find out more about any of the sources we referenced in this episode, you can visit namefreesongs.com. 